one of the best things we can do as just like a simple rule of thumb is, am I choosing a side here either way? Because if I'm choosing a side, I'm being manipulated by the negative polarity. Because in the positive polarity of unity, there's no sides. All is one. All people are equally valid. And I see, you know, very few people, unfortunately, really championing that right now. And so I think you and I and everyone listening need to be championing that message of there's no right or wrong side here, guys. War is insane and it's never the solution. We should be uh, crying for peace and resolution to this conflict. And hey, let's sit down between Jews and Palestinians. Let's have an open forum. Let's do something to talk to each other rather than just bomb each other and get angry at each other. Uh, clearly that's not been working since the Crusades, right? So we've got to come up with a better solution. And the only solution is stepping into unity consciousness. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Reconditioned. In a very bizarre moment in time um, where I'm bringing you this episode in an attempt to help us reach a place of peace and unity. Um, I cancelled last week's episode. It didn't feel um, appropriate with everything that is going on in the Middle East. And... Um, I'm bringing you this episode now. Uh, Aaron and I were supposed to record an episode together, our second episode. He came on a few months ago and it was so great that we got another one in to talk, to go deeper into speaking about surrender. But with everything that's going on and based on his work being so related to everything that I want to speak about right now, in terms of how we bring ourselves to a place of true peace, it felt like the perfect episode to record at the moment. Um, so this was really an impromptu from the heart episode. There was no preparation. I didn't read out his bio, any of that stuff. You can go back and hear the previous episode I recorded with Aaron um, to hear that um, if you want. Um, he is an amazing, amazing spiritual teacher. I highly recommend um, going onto his YouTube channel. His videos are incredible. He has a membership called the 4D University, which is unreal. His teachings on um, pretty much everything consciousness related are profound. And in this episode, we speak and we go deep into how through the pain, through the grief, through the trauma, through the sadness, through the rage, we find that true connection to consciousness in order to be able to open our hearts to love and why that is the only way we will experience peace and if you're listening to this and that's triggering you because you're in a place of wanting revenge I understand you I understand you I am half Israeli I grew up in Israel I am Jewish but I know in my heart that it has never worked before, it has never created peace, and it's not gonna work now. And if we wanna be of service to people suffering, and we wanna be of service to the collective, and to the advancement of the collective, and to the world that we wanna leave our children, then we all have a responsibility to raise our vibrations to the love frequency. So please listen to this episode and listen to us talking about how and why we do that even through a deep state of grief and fear and sadness. Um, and we spoke at the end about perhaps if there are lots of questions coming up around this episode, Aaron and I doing a Q&A Instagram live where we will 
uh, take all your questions and Aaron can answer them. So if you have a question based on what we've spoken about in this episode, or you want us to go deeper into something we spoke about, or something's triggered you and you want a deeper understanding on whatever the question is, send it to support at laurenvacneen.co.uk and we will get a date in to organize this Instagram live and answer all your questions. For anyone suffering right now, which to be fair is most of us, uh, the collective, there's a deep collective grief right now, Um, but whoever you are, if you are suffering and you are feeling this deep grief that I've been feeling for the last two weeks, I am sending love to you. I am here for you. I am here to do what I can to serve in the small way that I can right now, which is to help us come back to love. Um, And yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say, just to know that I I feel you, I'm with you. I feel your pain and um, we're in this together. Okay, I am going to let you get on with this episode with Aaron Abke. Love to you all. If you've been here a while, you'll know that I believe that we should get whatever we can in the way of nutrition through food. And where we can't get it through food, that's where we supplement. Now, in order to get myself from disabled to completely able-bodied, I had to be really specific and well-researched when it came to supplements, which is why I've been using Amrita Nutrition for the past decade, more than decade actually, to buy pretty much 95% of the supplements I take and recommend. Now, Amrita stock the highest quality brands using the highest quality non-synthetic ingredients. Most of these brands couldn't even be bought in the UK when I started taking them years ago, so Amrita have made it super easy and accessible. And the other great thing about Amrita is they offer personal support, so if you're not sure of which supplement to order, you can call them and they'll advise you. Now, they're usually a practitioner-only stockist, but you can buy supplements from Amrita now using practitioner invite code Lauren, which will get you 10% off all supplements. And once you set up an account, that 10% will be applied to every order. I've gone ahead and created a collection of all my favorite supplements with Amrita to help you out with it, which you can find in the show notes or on my website by typing in Amrita. Otherwise, just visit amritanutrition.co.uk and use code Lauren for 10% off. Thank you so much to Amrita for continuing to support our mission here at Reconditioned. So I'm back with another episode with Aaron Abke, who originally we had um, booked in another episode because we spoke for so long last time about so many different things and we wanted to go deeper into uh, talking about surrender. But today, if you are listening in real time, uh, it's two weeks after, nearly two weeks after what has been happening in the Middle East. And um, so I thought now was the perfect time to have this conversation with Aaron about unity um, and and peace and how we get back to that place and um, so welcome Aaron thank you for joining me again thank you so much for having me back on Lauren pleasure to be with you 
Yeah, I think you are pretty much the perfect person for this conversation. Um, we were just saying before we started recording that we were meant to record last week and a whole series of event events happened with you. And also I wouldn't have been able to show yeah. up in the way I want to because I was pretty broken from all the events. And um, I haven't recorded an episode since everything's happened. So to preface for anyone listening... Um, anyone who doesn't know, I am Jewish. I am half Israeli. I grew up between here and Israel. And all I want is peace and freedom and to find a way um, to help us connect to that. And the reason I was broken is because we have personal family friends who have been kidnapped, murdered, um, other horrendous stories, uh, which I'm not going to go into now. Anyone who follows me on Instagram would have seen them. Um and also there is so much nuance and so much, um, I re I spent five days being broken and then spoke to my spiritual coach and my shaman and got a deep reminder of the truth of who I am, the truth of all that is, what we're here to achieve and what is beyond all this oh, grotesque non-humanity and insanity. It, insanity. And it's been probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do to pull myself away from the humanness of that and try and spend my time and focus my energies on raising my vibration to love. I truly believe that we can't heal this without love and that all of us, however helpless, and we all feel helpless, right? We're doing what we can, um, where we can, and yet we all feel helpless but the way that we can be of service is by raising our vibration to love because energy transmutes. And the more that we transmute that, any energies we feel, any, any, it's not that we don't have to feel our grief. I'm deeply feeling my grief and processing it oh, as we much have as to I feel can. Our grief. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to process it as much as I can among the many layers that are making it hard to do that, you know, the hostages aren't back. There's so many civilian casualties. We're now facing anti-Semitism here. So like, we don't feel safe. So there's so many layers to this grief that it's hard to process. But what I'm saying before I hand over to you and stop babbling is that mm -hmm. though I am, I do believe we have to process our grief at the same time. And again, you know, we can hold those two things simultaneously. We also have to be raising our vibration because without emanating that vibration, that love vibration, that you know deeply from the heart and opening our hearts how will we ever find peace like we have to share that and 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 even imagine ourselves sending that out to terrorists to the people who are causing this who are higher you know whatever um and so I just like that's where I am and I know that you are in the same place and that you all your teachings basically come down to that so I'd love for you as the expert on this to really take anyone listening through why we need to do that, how we do that, what the purpose of it is, non-duality, all the stuff you speak about that is just so poignant right now. Well, thank you for sharing your reflections and insights on everything that's transpiring, you know, from the perspective of a Jewish woman. Um, I actually do have, a, I think, a 16th Jewish as well, I believe Ashkenazi, not that that really changes or alters my opinion on anything, but like um, we can all feel the solidarity, whether for Palestinian people or Jewish people, what it must be like to be living in such a war-torn, chaotic, insane environment for so long. 
And in the West, I think we've kind of turned a blind eye to the Middle East because we ourselves are so sick and nauseated from hearing about Middle East wars, oil wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. We just don't want to hear about the Middle East over here. Um, but it's like those are our brothers and sisters who are desperately in need of our love and support. And Mother Gaia is kind of forcing the West to pay attention to the Middle East because really it feels like the whole world is looking at the Middle East, right? And saying, hey, this is, in a sense, this is where civilization likely began millions of years ago, human civilization. We have the biblical narrative, right, in Genesis of the Garden of Eden, which uh, most scholars and historians purport was somewhere in the Middle East, at least, right? Whether in Egypt, between the two rivers or whatever, but this is like the origin point of humanity. And so in a way, it bears the scars of humanity's separation consciousness more heavily than anywhere else in the world. And so as as I've been watching um, not only what's been transpiring in the Middle East, but the the discussions and the side choosing of people in the world, it's like, here it is. This is why unity consciousness is the most important thing for us to focus on and move towards and strive to embody in ourselves because when everything's going well, or at least when everything's not falling to pieces, unity consciousness isn't all that sexy to most people. It's like, oh, sounds good. I love a night hippie stuff. Cool. Yeah, whatever. And then as soon as disaster strikes, everyone switches to this. What do we do? Who can save us? How do we get out of this mess? And we come back and say, unity consciousness is your only savior. And now, you know, here's the blessing in disguise of which there always is a blessing within the shadow is that unity consciousness awakening to unity, oneness, love, kindness, compassion are now becoming very sexy, aren't they? And can, that's I, can the... I also just interject? I want to let yeah, I want to let you carry on because everything you're saying, you know, I can't wait to hear the rest. But just also the nuance there is that it, it's it's like that thing of you know you can be spiritual when everything's going well, and you can be doing your yoga yeah. and your sand baths and your meditation and you know preaching love and light. But the idea of also yes, it might be sexy now, but it's also much harder to be in that place of unity. A lot of people I know are very very angry, and they're like. How are you just, you know, talking about love right now and unity? Like you need to be angry, you need to be rageful. And so it's actually interesting also that we have that nuance to it, that now is the time to really test how deeply into your spiritual practice yep. you are, how deeply you are connecting to the capital S self. Yep. How embodied are you? Right. Yeah. And that's to that point, uh, this is no judgment on anybody, but just what I have witnessed and what I've observed, you know, over the last few weeks uh, has surprised me a lot in terms of whether it's spiritual leaders or friends who are spiritual influencers, even, um, you know, very well-respected public philosophers like Jordan Peterson. I've been shocked at some of the side-taking and justification for war people have been making um, where you would think we've learned this lesson by now, right? That calling for war and calling for violence never solves a problem. It just creates, it compounds the problem. And how many more times do we need to do this before we learn this lesson? And again, everything always comes back to, we've got to wake up. We've got to raise our consciousness on this planet out of separation. Like we're so separate and divided from each other, Jew, Muslim, Palestinian, Israeli, 
Uh, we could look at any nation in the world and you'll find a polarized people group somewhere, whether it's Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals. It's in the UK. It's in Canada. It's in South America. It's in North America. Everywhere you look that there's a government, the people are divided and split. And I think that that's really the first job of any world government is to keep the people divided because unity is power. And this is something I talk about on um, other shows I've done. Uh, one of them is called The Rabbit Hole, where we kind of unpack the metaphysical dynamics in the world and um, politics, economies, like what's what's really going on spiritually behind these energies. And the first thing everyone should really be aware of when it comes to governments is that the first true, let's say, enemy in the eyes of any government, the first real threat on the radar of any government, far more far more than any other country, any other military, the first and most important threat they are constantly monitoring is their own people. Because if the people don't like the decisions of the government, you know, they outnumber the government a million to one at least. So within the snap of a finger, if there's unity, change can be made. If there's division and separation, there's lockdown control of the population and they can't make any changes in their own favor. So this is why we see mainstream media, politicians constantly sowing these little seeds of division and hatred and enmity towards each other. And that's really a big part of what's torn the Middle East apart for so long is the constant rhetoric right, and ideologies between the two factions always getting inflamed through the media, through politicians. And that's what we have to wake up to, right, is that the, as I call it, the negative polarity is uh, what we would call darkness or evil. Some people call it the negative polarity has taken control of every world government on earth and tries to use that power to keep people divided so that they don't wake up to their unity and oneness and overthrow their corrupt governments and take away all their power. And so what, what I find interesting, Lauren, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is really this like fifth generational warfare that we're seeing now as this planet's evolving at such a rapid pace, it's almost staggering to behold as you're alive on this planet, the technology, the different um, avenues for communication and, and misinformation and all this stuff is just exploding by the day. And so didn't haven't we seen a perfect example of this through the Middle East conflict? First, we heard that there was it was kind of interesting, right? It's like we know that they attacked a music festival and pulled people out of their homes and apparently killed babies in their cribs and all this stuff, Hamas I'm talking about. And they still needed to add this, this other rhetoric on top that, oh, they, they decapitated 40 babies because they just want to enrage people. Like, how could they do that? Go bomb them, you know? And that worked to enrage people to say, go bomb Gaza, level it to the ground. Like people are justifying for war. And then on the other side, Hamas then sows their misinformation that, oh, Israel just bombed a hospital, killed 500 people. And I watched CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, every single major news outlet reported that story like it was fact. And I, when I first saw the headline, I was like, I'm highly skeptical of that. And I think that about almost every headline because we're in a fifth generational warfare, which is information, right? It's a war of ideas and technology. But sure enough, like a day later, it starts to come out that no, there was no bomb. There was no hospital even bombed. Nothing happened, actually. One rocket misfired into a parking lot. So how did all these news outlets report a story as fact that never even happened and there was mm -hmm. no evidence for it? At the, at the best, it means that these are not real journalists. 
right? The first rule of journalism is always double check your sources before you say anything. The, the worst thing for a true journalist is to report false information, right? A journalist wants to be an integrity and only report the truth, speak truth to power, right? So a, a good journalist always double checks their sources. So at, at best, it means that these outlets are not trying to do real journalism. They're trying to report inflammatory headlines, right? But at the very worst, what it means is that they're knowingly publishing terrorist propaganda to incite war. So it's like, pick your poison. Which one is it? Either way, we should never give these news outlets credibility in our mind ever again. And so this is the fifth generational warfare that we're stepping into that will require of us incredible spiritual discernment, groundedness, mindfulness, self-awareness, patience, because there's headlines flying up everywhere all the time. And if you're just in this constant mode of reactivity, you're getting pulled into those illusions and you're a pawn on the chessboard of the negative polarity, right? They're moving you across the chessboard like they want to based on the news outlets, based on what the politicians say. They need you to agree with their wars. Otherwise, there is no war if the people don't agree with it. So I think like one of the best things we can do as just like a simple rule of thumb is Am I choosing a side here either way? Because if I'm choosing a side, I'm being manipulated by the negative polarity. Because in the positive polarity of unity, there's no sides. All is one. All people are equally valid. And I see you know, very few people, unfortunately, really championing that right now. And so I think you and I and everyone listening need to be championing that message of there's no right or wrong side here, guys. War is insane, and it's never the solution. We should be uh, crying for peace and resolution to this conflict. And hey, let's sit down between Jews and Palestinians. Let's have an open forum. Let's do something to talk to each other rather than just bomb each other and get angry at each other. Uh, clearly, that's not been working since the Crusades, right? So we've got to come up with a better solution. And the only solution is stepping into unity consciousness. Fun fact humans take in more information in one day now than they did in their entire lives in the 1700s. No wonder we're overwhelmed. Our brains and bodies simply haven't evolved to manage this level of stress. And until that evolution happens, if we want to be well in mind and body, we need things that help alleviate this stress. For me, one of the key tools in my daily wellness toolkit that does this is the Sensate. And if you've been here a while, you'll know how genuinely obsessed I am with this product. It is a piece of health tech that fits in the palm of your hand and it basically sends infrasonic waves through the chest to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system while you listen to the specially composed audio within the app. I usually use the Sensate for 10 to 20 minutes before I sleep to reduce cortisol levels, calm my brainwave states from the hectic day and send me into a deep sleep. Clients of friends of mine who have a Sensate have told me that their sleep has never been so good. People who usually struggle with sleep just wake up in the same position they went to sleep in. Everyone needs a Sensate in my opinion, and I particularly recommend it to anyone who suffers from overwhelm or anxiety, and anyone who wants to deepen their meditation practice. And you can get £30 off the Sensate by visiting getsensate.com and using code Lauren30. That's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E dot com Lauren30 
Thank you so much to Sensate for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. And by the way, when that's happened, you know, when there's there's organizations that bring together Israeli and Palestinian women who have lost children as a result of this conflict, like not just this particular today, like these last few weeks, but the, Is- right. the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, and when mothers unite in their grief and in their love, amazing things happen, which is why I'm reaching out to women right now to open their hearts, you know, um, because I'm seeing so much rage and I get it. Like we can hold that place for sacred rage and no change is ever made without, you know, some form yeah. of even, even in your journey or my journey towards healing towards where we're at now there had to be some I had a rage towards the illness that I had that there was as a result of a vaccine injury when I was a baby and that propelled me into my journey yeah and the further I got into that journey the more I was able to connect to consciousness and then was able to remove that rage so what I'm saying is that it's okay for us to have that rage but when we come together in unity and this and that has so you're saying like you know, Israeli people and Palestinian people need to come together. And when that has happened, the most amazing things have come as a result of that. The most amazing healing has come as a result. A friend of mine, Daniela Rabani, um, she actually um, does some like um, activism for the Tel Aviv Institute. And it was only a few weeks ago, a few months ago, she was in Tel Aviv, <laughs> excuse me, um, and hosted a panel or something. And she, she was introduced to Palestinian women and mm. Israeli women who had lost children and as a result of the conflict and they were, they talked and they hugged and, you know, at the end of the day, a normal sane person wants peace. And of course. it's only when, like you say, we are manipulated to believe that we need to be focusing on the war as opposed to the peace that this happens yes there's always going to be nut jobs in the world but it's it's even like you know you and I were talking before about people even who we know influencers and you know people in the the health movement the freedom movements whatever who are posting you know all the stuff about the government did this and the government's that and they keep justifying yeah but I'm not I'm not pro-terrorism I'm not pro this I'm not pro that I'm just pro-freedom or I'm you know whatever but by posting that constantly, we're still perpetuating that cycle of being in that place of war. That's not creating unity. It's been so hard for me to tear myself away from sharing a lot of the stuff I want to share. You know, as a person who has personally lost people close to me as a result of this my sister and her three-year-old twins are living with us because they managed to escape her husband is now back there we have many friends cousins family have been called to reserves to the front lines and let me tell you for anyone listening who always wants to say oh it was a soldier so it doesn't matter like they're not civilians Israeli men don't choose to go to the army you know they just want like they're called up and my friend's 19 year old son was kidnapped tortured and murdered uh 13 days ago and the pictures of his tortured body were sent to her and let me tell you he was not a 19 year old boy thinking yeah i'm gonna fight because i'm a fighter and i hate palestinians yeah he didn't have a choice he had to go to the army and he happened to be in the army and now anyone else that's being called there is being called there because they have to they don't have a choice they feel that that 
they have to do that to protect their children and their families. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, there is so much nuance to everything. So again, when people are talking about civilians versus soldiers, what even does that mean? Soldiers, like think these are people, again, unity, yeah. let's come back to Just the understanding. People. people are people. All these soldiers dying are also people. Their lives don't mean anything less than the babies that were kidnapped. Yeah. You know, or the Palestinians, yeah. the civilian Palestinians who are, you know, suffering right now and the, the Palestinian mothers running through the streets that you're seeing the videos of with their babies. All life is life. And, you know, from the perspective and I, I, I do want to kind of give some credit, not credibility, but some for, for Jewish people listening right now who will be maybe angry at me for not being more angry. I want to tell you that I I understand you (laughs) and I, it's not that I'm not angry and it's not that I don't believe that the Jewish people have a right to a homeland. That's my homeland. That's the place where I have the best memories of my life, right? I feel so connected to Israel that it hurts my heart what's happening right now. And I've cried and not slept and not eaten for the past two weeks. It's not that I'm, I'm not with you on that. It's that, like you said, Aaron, how long are we going to take how many more thousands of years is it going to take until we realize that wars do not solve anything? Yeah. And it's all good. Me and you sitting here on a podcast talking about it. But how do we get to that state? How do we convince the person listening now who's angry and has every right to be angry mm-hmm. to change their vibration to that of love, to get yeah. to a place where they see their own consciousness in every other human being? Yeah. Well, in some respects, we can't convince anyone who's angry that that's the right way. But, you know, this is why I love A Course in Miracles so much, because A Course in Miracles really gets to the heart of what we're talking about right now, which says that all real war is happening in the minds of humans. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's no actual war in reality, meaning all energy in the universe is naturally intelligent and harmonious, meaning when left to itself, it only creates perfect harmony and all things exist in relationship. This is a law of the universe that you cannot deny. Anywhere you look, anything you observe in the universe is existing in a relationship with everything else around it. So everything functions off of cooperation and harmony and relationship and unity. And so in the mind of a person who doesn't see the true nature of the universe as oneness, unity, relationship, they will separate themselves in their mind and say, I'm separate from this universe, which means it's threatening to me. It's something to be afraid of. It's something to struggle against and resist when it doesn't go my way. And that's what we call separation consciousness which is the third chakra, the solar plexus. And that's the chakra that 99% of humanity is stuck in and struggling to move into the heart chakra, the fourth chakra, which is where unity consciousness opens up, where our vibration, our frequency is now high enough that we can perceive the unity of creation. We can realize, literally like a child would realize it, oh, the whole universe is one. Everything's connected. Everything depends on everything else. All things exist in relationship. And that is an inherently loving realization. And it it intuitively calls you to be kind, to forgive, to overlook your brother's sins, because as Jesus said, they know not what they do. They're trapped in that third chakra of separation. So I can't convince anyone to move into the heart chakra, but what I can do is I can demonstrate unity consciousness. And through the demonstration, people wake up and say, oh, there is a higher way of being. 
there is a higher level of consciousness available outside of war and insanity and division. And so in this, in this experience we're having right now, the best thing anybody can do is to watch their own reactivity to the conflict, watch how their ego wants to choose a side or watch how their, how your ego wants to justify violence in some way. Even, even the little subtle justifications, right. Where, um, people will say like, well, I don't support violence, but you know, you get what you pay for sometimes. What did they expect? What did they expect? It's karma. Yeah. What'd they expect? And even that's still part of you justifying it. So the war is in your mind. The conflict is in your mind because you have a, what's called a split mind, a, a mind full of separation consciousness. You see good people and evil people, and that's duality. That's what keeps the war going. So A Course in Miracles says we heal the world by healing our mind of all separation and realizing all is one. All beings are children of the eternal father. All beings are my divine brothers and sisters. And so why do we strive for forgiveness rather than vengeance and retribution? Because vengeance, again, comes from separation consciousness, and it keeps the war alive. I mean, how many different terrorist factions, Islamic terrorist factions, have I seen in my lifetime alone? Mm -hmm. When I was a little kid, it was Al-Qaeda. They were the big bad guys on the block, and we're going to go snuff out Al-Qaeda. And we declared a war against Al-Qaeda and killed them all and bombed all the villages we could find them in, killing God knows how many innocent civilians. And then a few years later, it's this new faction called the Taliban. Now the Taliban's the big bad wolf on the block, and we're going to go kill them and bomb them into oblivion. You know, thousands more innocent civilians die. And then a few years later, ISIS. Now ISIS is the bad guy on the block. We're going to go kill ISIS. And we did. We got him. Violence wins. We got ISIS. Oh, now there's Hamas, and they're the new bad guy on the block. Do you see how it doesn't actually solve anything? Because all the violence you perpetuate creates more anger, more resentment in people that creates new groups that come together to say, let's get revenge on those Jews or those Americans or whoever it is. And you you always strengthen what you fight against in that way. So I think one of the big problems, Lauren, honestly, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. And one of the big problems with humanity not being able to evolve out of war consciousness, I think, is the fact that humans don't live very long. You know, we live pretty darn short lives when you think about it. And I think if human beings even live to an average of 200 years old, we would see so much more peace on earth because people would be alive long enough to have lived through the last war, the last psyop, the last agenda, and been like, oh, I know this story. I know where this is going, not participating. But it's like, I mean, I think this is part of the reason why everything in our environment's heavily poisoned, right? Food, water, right. air, vaccines. They're just trying to get as much toxins in humans as possible because they don't want humans to live very long because humans who live a long time gain a lot of wisdom. Look, and they that's pass what I was down just going to say. It's like by the time we get to that place where we have that wisdom, our bodies aren't strong enough to keep us going. So we can't really even share in that wisdom or do any sort of, you know, activism or anything to help kind of yep. move us into this state of peace and consciousness because we're too sick to do it we're too sick and then and then we die and then our the next generation starts from scratch and then the next psyop begins the next the next communist takeover begins the next war begins and they've never seen it before so they're like oh what's going on here and they get sucked right into the plan again like imagine if humans live to be a thousand years old 
Mm. We'd, we'd be an enlightened civilization, most likely, because everybody would have lived through every single psyop and war and agenda you can think of and will have learned their lessons, right? Mm. But because we live like 60, 70 years on average these days, <clears throat> that's another big strategy, I think, of the negative polarity is keep the population sick, because not only does a sick mind you know, create more violence in the world, but they're not going to have the awareness to see our plans and agendas unfolding especially this new fifth generational warfare, they're going to be too sick to even see it. And then they're going to die 60, 70 years old and their kids will start from scratch. And we just keep rinse repeating generation by generation. Right. So and then I think we health down, is a big part of this. Oh, it's a massive part of this. And also we, we pass down, you know, the trauma, that intergenerational trauma is passed from generation to generation. Now, if we live right. long enough to actually heal that trauma in ourselves before there we needed go. to pass it on, then we wouldn't be perpetuating it. So you know, people who who came out of the Holocaust, you know, I know children and grandchildren, now obviously great grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. And, you know, wow, the 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 trauma that is passed down both through the DNA in in the ways that people who are, you know, ancestor um 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 descendants of Holocaust survivors in the ways that they behave in terms of fear and safety and things like that, food as well, you know. Although most Jews actually have that thing with food. Um, we make a joke about it, but it's actually not funny because we've always been chucked out of every country um, throughout history. And so, you know, Jews have this thing about like always having enough food, always having their cupboards stocked because we don't know when our next meal is going to be or when you're going to be able to feed, yeah. feed your children next. A lot of trauma. Um, a lot of trauma. And if we lived long enough to heal that in ourselves, we wouldn't need to pass it down. And I totally agree right. with you. And I think this is why part of my purpose has been from going from being so severely sick to healing myself and showing myself and others that that is possible and that we can actually help ourselves live longer and we can heal the body, which then leads to us wanting to heal the mind and the spirit. And then, yeah, yes. so I think that's such a good point about if we lived longer. Yeah. It's something I hadn't really considered that much until recently. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in the law of one that talk about this um, when Ra is asked in the law of one, why they came to the Egyptians 11,000 years ago, they said that it was because Egyptians were living like 30 to 40 years lifespan. And um, I actually went to an Egyptian museum in Denver a couple of years ago. And it was really amazing because you go tour all these different sarcophaguses and stuff and Egyptian relics, and you're reading the history. And um, a lot of the the tombs, they would say, you know, this person was 32 years old when they died. Uh, this person was 33. The average lifespan was 35 or whatever. And I'm just like, what? That's my age. I can't imagine dying of old age right now. And Ra says, yeah, they were they were living such short lives that they didn't have the ability to grow spiritually. So Ra says they were stuck in this perpetual spiritual childhood they could never get out of. And the, the actual third density life cycle, and for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with law of one terminology, forgive me, I'll try to qualify it for you. Third density is this density realm of earth we're on, third chakra, right, we talked about. In third density, the, the average lifespan was intended to be by our sun, which created the, the archetypal rules and laws of our solar system. It was intended to be that um, third density humans would live about a thousand years. 900 to 1,000 years. And interestingly, when you read the Old Testament, Genesis through Exodus, they talk about many beings long ago who lived to be 700, 900 years old. But Ra says, because the planet became very warlike and separate and divided, the frequency of the planet dropped and contracted. 
And so now the lifespan, because we are an extension of Gaia, right? Whatever her frequency is will be our physical body's frequency. Mm -hmm. So if we want to lift her frequency, we have to lift our body's frequency to push her frequency up, right? We're one with her. So because we all went to war, we separated into tribes and we started declaring war on each other and killing each other. It dropped the frequency so much on the planet that the lifespan went to like 80 years, 100 years tops. And so now we're in a perpetual spiritual childhood because we don't live very long. And life is about catalyst and, and learning from your experiences. Like the whole reason a soul comes here is because this third density realm, planet Earth, is incredibly rich with spiritual catalysts for learning and for growth. The polarity here, the darkness and the light we have to grapple with, positive, negative polarities, it demands us to be awake and aware and present for our life and learning lessons in real time and healing and growing. And first of all, most people are enslaved to a nine to five work week that doesn't allow them much free time to think about growth or process traumas. That's another negative polarity plan as well. And then we're so sick from all the fake food we eat, um, the poisoned water we drink, the poisoned air we breathe, that we're only living to be like 60 years old now, at least in the West here in America. And, you know, if if Ross says that 30 years old is a perpetual spiritual childhood, is 60 years old that much better when we're supposed to be living to a thousand, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think we're, we're starting to see the lifespans um, gradually pick up in places like Japan and countries that are very aware of the toxicity of our world and keep that toxicity out of their population and they strive to eat healthy. We're seeing a lot of people in like, you know, Japanese cultures and other cultures that are living to 120 on a regular basis. So I think as the Earth's frequency is now starting to pick up, we're going to see the lifespan of humans pick up, which I think will do more for our collective evolution than anything else will, just literally living longer, right? Gaining more wisdom from life and being able to share that wisdom with more generations will will have massive effects. But the the downside is that as the frequency picks up towards fourth density, which again is heart chakra density, unity, it demands all the third density karma to get purged and healed out of the collective. And as you know, you only heal something by feeling something. You can you only heal it by feeling it. So it has to come up, the hatred, the violence, the rage, the war, the, the attack thoughts in your mind. You have to feel them and say, finally, I choose a different relationship with you. I will not give in to you and fuel you and, and make you worse and bigger, but I'm going to forgive you and love you and have compassion for what you feel. And when we bring that heart energy to the mind, forgiveness, compassion, unity, it depolarizes the negative energy in our frequency and turns it into positive energy. And so now we're more and more able to shine the light into the world. So again, I go back to the fact that it's okay to try to make change in the world. When you see wars, it's it's great to speak truth and all of that. But the most important thing we have to take responsibility over is our own state of consciousness. Removing all war from my mind is how I remove war from the collective. So again, let me pay attention to how I'm reacting to the news headlines and find any angry thoughts in me and judgmental thoughts. That's the war that I need to heal and forgive. Mm -hmm. Just need to take a moment to integrate that. Thank you for that. Um, would you say that your biggest tool in helping you achieve that is A Course in Miracles? 
Likely, yeah, probably that in the law of one teachings. Mm. Mm. Because the thing is, we've, you know, this is what we always say, isn't it? We've been given everything we need to get to that place. Absolutely. And it is all this external noise that we are distracted by that prevents us from doing it. And again, I will come back to being in a very understanding place of everyone listening now who's feeling triggered um because it's not that some part of me isn't there or doesn't feel that you know i understand from the perspective of israeli people and jewish people all around the world who feel that this one tiny country that fits seven million people in the middle of the world is the only place where we supposedly were able to feel safe um and if something's threatening that of course, I understand that. And also having lived there through wars and through bombs and through rockets and done all the hiding in bomb shelters, it's not like I'm I'm removed from this. Like a lot of keyboard warriors right now who are, you know, calling for what, revenge or whatever it is they're calling for. I've, I've lived through all of these things um, and I understand. Uh, and I also believe that, you know, we, we should have the right to um, somewhere where we feel safe and to a homeland that we feel um you know, is, I don't even want to say ours. Let me go into the nuance of that in a second. But so I understand where that feeling of we have to do everything we can to defend ourselves comes from. And having lived through that, like I truly do. And when I spoke to, you know, a, a mutual friend of you and I, you, you, yours and mine, you know, explaining that the constant posting about, you know, the governments and da-da-da was just creating more unity. This is what I was saying. Like, you're not taking into account the feeling of real people living in this land. You know, the, what, how deeply they feel towards and also like just the humanity of people. And I'm not just talking about Israeli people. You know, they're, the humanity of the general standard everyday Palestinian people, the Palestinian mothers standing there cooking their meals for their children like the Israeli mother is doing, feeding their child. I'm not talking about the ones who have been brainwashed into, you know, terrorism. I'm, I'm talking about the everyday people who want to love their children, raise their children, live a decent life. Billions of people. Right. And, and, and I'm exactly. And, you know, so all this unity forgets the realness of that and and I understand and I just want to keep reiterating that you know we of course you, you're just like do whatever it takes because this is my homeland and I need to feel safe and my children are in, in a bomb shelter and fight or flight know, my whole family are there in bomb shelters right yeah. so if I can't say this and be like okay but still we have to find unity then you know who else is going to say it you know, mm. it has to come from the, the most deeply affected people. Right. Healing, healing only comes from a place. And this is what I always say to all my clients, like women come to me when they're in their energetic death, right? That's, that, that's usually when they come that, that deep rock bottom place. And from there we can rebuild. I always use the example of had I not have got sick as I got when I was 18 and become head to toe disabled, I would never have worked as hard as I did to find the answers to heal. Because if I just had the yep. same kind of mild arthritis, well, it wasn't mild, sometimes it was quite bad, but it was semi-manageable throughout my childhood. I that I didn't know any different because I'd had it since I was a baby. So I would have just carried on like that. I would Nothing would have pushed me to make any great change but the fact that it got as bad as it did was like okay I can't live with this I need to make a change so it comes from the most deeply affected people that we have to say okay 
yes, we believe in the protection of our people. And yes, we believe that we, you know, deserve a country where we can feel safe. And yes, we believe in whatever it is we believe in. And also, not but, and also, this has never worked. And I have yes. a responsibility right now as a human being or a cosmic being living a human experience to do whatever I can to change this for the next generation. Because until I change it within me, it is never going to change. And that is what is freaking hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. And we shouldn't pretend that forgiveness is easy, an easy practice. But it becomes easier the more you understand what real forgiveness is and what it's really saying. And this is one of the other amazing parts about A Course in Miracles that it really unlocks forgiveness in terms of like, what do we actually mean when we say to forgive? Because the ego says, oh, if I forgive, you're saying to basically excuse my abuser from their abuse and to say, no problem, I'll be your doormat, you can hurt me, and I'll just let you off the hook. I forgive you. That's not forgiveness. That's not what forgiveness is saying. Forgiveness is the highest act of strength available. It's the highest demonstration of inner strength available because forgiveness says, I know who I am. Like you just said, Lauren, I'm a cosmic eternal being living a temporary human experience. And even if I, even if I wasn't killed in this war, I'm still, my physical body is still going to die at some point. I'm not a human. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm an eternal being having a human experience. And so because that's how I know myself, that what I am cannot be bombed, cannot be terrorized, cannot be hurt in any way. I am one with God as all beings are. Then from that inner place of self-knowledge and self-realization, I say, I forgive you because as Jesus said, you know not what you do. I will not participate in your war with you by resenting you. Because if I even resent my attacker, I'm, I'm participating in their attack. I'm fueling it, right? Because what you fight, you strengthen. So this is why Jesus said, when your enemy strikes you, turn to him the other cheek as well, because it depolarizes the attacker. The attacker must have some kind of resistance from you to keep attacking, but it's it's just energetically like a, a block to someone who wishes to abuse someone that submits to it with love. They want to find someone who wants to have war with them. So this is the energetics, the metaphysics of forgiveness, which says, I refuse to lower myself to the idea that I'm a fragile, delicate thing that can be attacked, wiped out at the snap of a finger. That's not who I am. And so because I know I'm not a limited, temporary, mortal body, I know that everyone else is not that either. So I refuse to lower other people as well to just being their body. Their body is not who they are. So when I see that somebody, uh, you know, a thousand people have been murdered or something from a Hamas terror attack, I don't let that enrage me because I don't believe those people actually died. Yes, their physical bodies ended this incarnation, but they are eternal spiritual beings. Nothing God creates can be destroyed. Everything God creates endures forever. And so if I know who they really are, the essence, the spirit of them, I will always see that and know that they're just as alive now and even more so than they were before they were in the body. So I will not let this terror attack inflame me with rage because I see the truth of who those beings are. But what I will do is bring my energy through forgiveness, through sending love, sending light to that region, because what that does in the collective consciousness is it begins to depolarize negative energy. 
And we got to, at some point, Lauren, wake up to the fact that everything is spiritual. Everything is mental. Everything is energy. And so as much as it feels like an injustice, if I let myself just sit in rage and, and attack thoughts towards anyone, I'm adding more negative energy into the collective, which fuels war even more. So the way I like to see it is that I'm the creator of my reality. So whatever I think and feel is what I send out into the universe. It's that combination of thought and feeling. It's okay to think about something as long as there's no emotional charge behind it. As soon as there's a charge, positive or negative, you're now creating and qualifying that energy into the world again. So whether I think a judgmental thought or a loving, forgiving thought, that energy has to pass through my body first before I send it out. So if I think a hateful thought towards Hamas, even though I don't agree with terrorism, of course, if I think a hateful thought towards them, that bolt of lightning of negative energy passes through me before I send it out. And if you know law of attraction, you know that it always returns back to you with accumulated energy. Mm. It's the un, unrevocable law, right? You can't get out of this. So when we tap into these metaphysical principles of thought creates reality, feeling creates reality, and whatever you qualify based on your emotion is what you create more of, then we just feel a natural onus and responsibility to be very mindful about our state of being and to say, I must be attentive to forgive any negative energies coming out of me because I dare not add any more negative energy to this world than it already has. Please, God, let me be a beacon of light and love and healing. And again, we do that by healing our own mind. Yeah. And, you know, this is exactly it, isn't it? It's just we have a responsibility now to do that. And it's yes, it's hard. And yes, this might be triggering. And but like we have this deep responsibility now to to do this for our world, like you say, for Mother Gaia, for our children. Yeah. And, you know, what came to my mind there when you're speaking about that, I'd like to just I, I always kind of reference the Hawkins scale of consciousness. Love it. And yeah. And like forgiveness is so high up on the Hawkins scale yeah. of consciousness. <laughs> right. And. Yep fear hate love shame uh, not love sorry fear hate shame grief like all those things yeah. are super super low so and i i always love that acceptance even acceptance yeah is so close on the scale of consciousness to love which shows us that even if we come to a place of acceptance we are raising our vibration to be able to like you say emanate that from our bodies as opposed to low vibrational frequency emotions like grief and hate and fear and all of those things mm -hmm. um and rage and you know and yeah. forgiveness is so high up so when we can find a way to forgive we are then raising our energetic vibration we are vibrating at a higher frequency emanating that out of us because you know by the way for anyone listening to this who might feel a bit skeptical about us talking about energy and frequencies and most of my audience are not I know most of you are here with me on this but for anyone new who's listening to this this is not woo-woo nonsense like this is measured we can measure energy now right we're measuring it plenty of um, science behind it right quantum physics is the most exact of all sciences we know that we can measure um energy and frequency so when we you can measure emotions our... right right very get... easily exactly so and so the emotion holds the frequency as well yep. so so now that that's the um the tricky part, right? That's the challenge. And that's what I'd like you to maybe talk us through. Mm -hmm. For people listening who have been deeply affected by this, like say my friend whose son was kidnapped and murdered listens to this. Mm 
-hmm. How do we help her get to that place of forgiveness or at least be in a place of seeing what we're trying to talk about here? Because many people are going to be triggered by this and I get that because it's super triggering. Um, But it's also like when you come to that knowing of the truth of who we are, you know, the truth of all that is, there's no escaping from that you don't you you then don't get triggered because you're like no but this is capital t truth you know so like but how do we for the person listening who is feeling triggered and is feeling that how the hell am i going to project any forgiveness to these monsters Mm -hmm. how do they start and i know you said you can't convince everyone it's also not your job or my job to convince anyone yeah but someone might be listening to this thinking i want to do that i truly do but i don't know how Yeah. Give me the perspective that can help me do that. Right. Well, this is why forgiveness is a very high frequency, as you said, because it happens. It only happens after we reach the heart level of love. Excuse me. And that on the Hawkins scale, it's from zero to a thousand. So love is the 500 mark or above. And that's when we start getting into the fourth energy center. And so without true love, you can't forgive because the heart chakra is the chakra of unity. Right. You can you only truly forgive when you recognize all is one. And I would actually suggest anyone who wants to step more into this awareness to start watching near-death experiences on YouTube. Mm. It'll open your heart so fast because every single one, I challenge you, you will not find a near-death experience that doesn't talk about watching their life review and realizing that life is about loving people, forgiving people, that they were far too, uh, they put people out of their heart in life. They judged people. They were selfish. And they, when they see their life review, they're like, oh, life is all about love and unity. And I missed it. Please let me go back. And they want that second chance. Everyone who dies and comes back to talk about it says this. So we should start paying attention to that. And the, the perspective I would offer to your question, Lauren, is you, you said something important. You said, how do I forgive these monsters? Well, let's think about that idea that they're monsters. Do you think that in their mind, they are monsters, right? Do you think as they're going around killing people, they're like, I'm a monster. I just love killing people. Unfortunately, that's not the case, right? Mm -hmm. They absolutely feel like the good guys. They think they're doing justice and enacting righteousness when they kill the 19-year-old Israeli soldier. And that's the difficult pill to swallow is, We want to put people in boxes and say, well, they're just evil. Well, guess what? They don't think they're evil. They think you're evil. So who's right? And from that perspective, we can start to understand forgiveness a little better immediately, I think. Do you not think that there is a part of them, though? And I have to interrupt you on this. That when they snatch a baby out of a car or take a mother who's holding two babies to her chest or rip a fetus out of a pregnant mother who's alive, there's not part of them that goes, screw this. Yeah, I'm evil because I... Like they've led me to be evil, but they do believe that there is some bad in them because like, I don't, I don't believe that they think that they are good. I believe that they think that they're doing it for a righteous reason. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that they, they believe that they're good people. Well, I know that some, you know, Hamas, um, former Hamas members have left and are speaking up right now about what Hamas really is. And this has also been true for other terrorist organizations in the past, but, um, for the vast majority of them, their their um, conscious conscience, sorry, has been so suppressed 
that they truly don't feel anything when they do these things because they have an idea in their mind. They have a, a, a propaganda, an ideology they've been taught since birth that um, even in the Quran, I, I remember reading the Quran when I was a Christian and reading these passages that literally say, slay the infidel wherever ye find them. If you find them in the hilltop, slay them there. If you find them in the mountains, slay them there. And this is the holiest thing that a Muslim can do is to slay the infidel. And these are the kind of passages that inflame these terrorist organizations, Islamic terrorist organizations, because they're like, I'm just following scripture and scripture is holy and from God. So it's godly to kill the infidel. And so now they have a concept in the conscious mind that they're using to validate their evil acts. And all the while, of course, their heart chakra is saying, no, no, this is wrong. This is not right. But they suppress, 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 suppress. And after a certain amount of suppression, you don't feel that guilt anymore because your energy body finally listens to you and says, all right, you don't want to have me around. I won't be around. And this is something that um, I, I also recommend people, if you don't believe what I'm saying, to go watch a documentary on Netflix that um, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but it's a newer documentary that is about the Nazi soldiers from uh, Nazi Germany and telling their story about, you know, being a 19 year old kid, being a 21 year old kid and uh, Hitler and the, the German army just orders you like the Jews are being ordered right now to just run to the defense line and be enlist in the army. You have no choice. And they had no clue what they were doing, where they were going. They were just told show up at this location at this time. And they were gradually propagandized and brainwashed and they tell the story of like marching these Jewish people to these executions of, you know, they're just shoot, shoot them point blank. And they're still not being told they're going to shoot a Jew. They're just like, march these people to this um, part of the uh, dirt. You're going to stand over here and then wait for your next order. They're like, okay. So they're just following orders, just following orders, just following orders. And then they're like, point and shoot. And they're like, I followed all the other orders and they shoot. And some of these people describe the enormous trauma of the the Nazi soldiers that that day when they went back to their camp, there was uh, people were throwing up, convulsing. They they were deeply traumatized that they just watched thousands of innocent Jews be slaughtered, and they couldn't cope with it. So they gave them tons and tons of alcohol to try and suppress that trauma. And they said after that, they just kept rinse repeating. And after you know three or four executions, they said these German soldiers were just like another day at the office. They, mm. they didn't feel anything anymore. Because part of what it means to become negatively polarized is that you shut off the heart chakra. Mm. And Ra discusses this in the law of one, that negatively polarized beings like extraterrestrials, more advanced beings in the universe, you can only get to the negative polarity by sufficiently shutting off the green ray, the heart chakra, so that you only have six chakras in activation rather than seven, because the negative being can't have any love in their heart. They can't have any unity consciousness or they can't be negative. So it is absolutely possible to shut off the heart chakra with enough suppression. And I think whether it's Hamas, whether it's Nazis, anyone in history who does true un unimaginable evil has shut off their heart chakra because if it was fully open and sensitive, they would never be able to keep carrying these things out, right? They have to suppress that subconscious intuition of what is right versus what is wrong. So I'm definitely not saying that these Hamas you know, terrorists are not feeling anything that they're not suppressing. I think an enormous amount of suppression has to go on to justify their acts, but it's because of the conscious mind's ideology and propaganda. We know you can literally convince a human being of anything if you mm. repeat it enough times that consciously they believe 
what they're doing is righteous. And they'll tell you that it is. You can watch interviews with them on these videos they're putting out. Like we are the holy, you know, uh, righteous soldiers of Allah. Like they, they believe that in their mind. So that's the first basis of forgiveness is to realize that although I see them as an evil monster, they don't see themselves as an evil monster. They think they're doing something right. So even just from that basis, I can say, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Oh, yeah. So much truth. So much truth. Um, you know, I think it's a good place to wrap up because I think it's a lot of information and a lot of stuff for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah, certainly. Um, I personally haven't seen much or heard much of this sort of rhetoric um, around people who are uh, truly personal to it. Mm -hmm. So it might be that this is the first time people listening to this have heard anything like this in relation to the situation we're managing now. And um, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed. I think we need to maybe take this knowledge this information and see what we can do to help integrate it into our hearts yeah and um I don't know about you I'm sure you are because I know you're super active and, and engaged on social media but I'm open to questions if people want to reach out based on this Certainly. episode and um and ask us I've, I've obviously put your um details in the show notes I know you're um at Aaron Abke on um Instagram mm -hmm. um and yeah you know if you're listening to this and you are feeling a whole host of emotions and you have questions please you know um get in touch with us and let's let's have this conversation but you know most importantly let's open up this conversation to bring us closer even if it feels confusing even if it feels difficult let's bring ourselves closer to love because only love can create peace. Absolutely. Yeah, I would, um, to, to your point, I would say, uh, I would very much be open to fielding any questions that your audience has on these um, very nuanced and challenging topics right now. We could do a, a YouTube live or Instagram live and just kind of go through them because mm -hmm. I love having this conversation because I do believe this is the answer to our world issues. But um, to anyone listening who, like Lauren said, this is kind of like new information. You haven't thought about it this way before. These are perspectives you haven't heard before. Um, first of all, I'm not asking you to believe anything I'm saying. I'm offering a perspective that you can take and begin contemplating and maybe try to integrate and see if you find the evidence for it that forgiveness is the only way to true peace on earth and healing of our world. And so just sit with these ideas maybe and, and chew over them a little bit and, and see what comes up for you. But it certainly isn't wrong to feel the anger you're feeling. It certainly isn't wrong to feel anything you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't suppress what you feel. But we should always be checking in with ourselves saying, okay, I feel this. I accept what I feel. But is sitting in this over and over truly of service to the planet? Or is there a higher way to be of service? That'd be the only question I'm you know, uh, suggesting you to, to consider. Yeah. And actually my spiritual coach said to me, I spoke to her three days after everything happened when I was still just on the floor. And she said to me, and, and she's, you know, born Jewish, by the way. Um, she's, she's actually, a um, a course in miracles, I don't know, master, whatever. Mm. She's like, really, that's, you know, her teaching. So you and her would Wonderful. align really well. She's amazing. And she said to me, do you think that your anger 
and disgust and deep grief not that it's not justified but do you think that it is because it was the day after we'd found out that our friend had been killed Mm. do you think that it is serving his mother and how can you be best of service to her right now do you think that it's through these feelings of rage or do you think that there's a better way to help her in terms of energy and that really resonated with me um so yeah let's let's maybe do a live um and get that sorted and maybe from after this episode people can send in questions and we can do like a q a yeah i would love that and um one last thing i'll offer is that um i've also been working on a what i believe is a really powerful resource for people to begin plugging into this in a really dynamic way which is it's called the global unity awakening network And what it is, is we're setting up a sort of like a calendar where people can choose a 30 minute slot one time a week from all over the globe, where eventually we'll have, you know, dozens of people, hundreds of people, hopefully in every 30 minute slot, you know, Sunday through Saturday, meditating on unity, peace on earth, harmony, love, forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and sending that light and energy out into the collective. And I think when enough of us, thousands of us start doing this regularly, we're going to start seeing so much change on this planet for the light. And so we're working on that right now within the next two weeks. I hope to have that live. And I'm also going to create guided meditations on my YouTube channel that are 30 minutes long that you can just plug and play and just follow the prompts and, you know, send out love from your heart as it's prompted on the meditation, or you can just do it on your own, however you want to do that. But to have a global network of people that 24 seven around the clock, we're meditating on world unity. I think is the most important thing we can do right now. Oh, I love that. What an initiative. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Thank you for all your work and, you know, for being here and being really the person that I needed to do this with me today. So yeah, Mm. thank you so much. I'm honored. Thank you, Lauren. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconditioned. I am honestly so grateful to each and every person that tunes in. Thank you also for taking responsibility for your own well-being. You should know that just by choosing to listen to podcasts like this that further your well-being, you're moving more deeply into abundance consciousness. Now, don't forget, I have a bunch of free resources over at laurenvacneen.co.uk, as well as every recommendation you could ever need in regards to your well-being on the LV Recommends page, all categorized for your ease. Thank you also to our sponsors. These episodes would not be possible without them, so make sure to check them out and get some pretty awesome discounts on the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get updated each time a new one is released. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you.